Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation on Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and to round off the season, I am joined by Dan Lambert and for his second appearance on the podcast, Ben Summer as well. Guys, welcome. Alex, hello. Uh, so QPR managed to beat Swansea in the final game of the season uh, to make this end of season slightly more palatable. We will go through that game in a little bit of detail, but there is more to come in this episode, including a bit of an end of season review, a quiz to, rem- to see who knows more about this past season between Ben and Dan here. Uh, but before all that, I thought it was right just to say one more thank you and goodbye to Mark Warburton. Obviously, the season hasn't ended as we'd all hoped it would, but he has done a great job of th- over the last three years. Uh, so for now on, I don't want any debate on whether the club have done the right thing or whether he should have stayed on or whatever. I just want some good memories and thanks for Mark Warburton. So... Dan, Ben, who wants to go first? Um, yeah, I'll jump in here. I, you know, I've, I've had a really, really fun time watching QPR and, and doing a few away days and things like that under Mark Warburton. Um, so on a personal note, I've sort of been going through a few like different transitional times in life, and it's been a really nice thing to be able to know that I'm watching sort of his teams playing and, and the football that very often came with that. Um, it's a bit of a, a weird point to make, but a lot of journalists have said they've never met a manager who's been sort of more respectful and, and given them more of his time. And I've got a mate who covered the Swansea game for some national papers and, and said the same. And uh, I think he's just he's carried himself really well over these past three years. Three years, and I think we've possibly taken a little bit of that uh, for granted. But it's all it's all happy memories for me, even though you know the the big picture. I think it has been a success. The sort of Warburton project. Obviously, the picture of this season hasn't so much, but yeah, all all good memories for me. Yeah, uh, that was rather nice. Much better than anything that the rest of the guys have been able to come up with this season. Let's see if Dan can top that. Oh, cheers! Um, well, to be honest, I wasn't expecting this uh, this part of the podcast, but um, no, I can echo all what Ben said. Um, no, it's been it's been great to have him as a manager over the last three uh, three seasons. Um, from obviously such a massive rebuild um, at the club, and we well without the um, going into obviously the off the field stuff um, on the field, it looks like we're in a in a much better better position than we were when he uh, when he joined us. So um, no, no, it's been good. It's been good at, uh, having him as manager. Yeah, I think like you look at the sort of players that he's brought on, the ones that are at the club at the moment as a. Uh, not as a sadly chair Dieng, Dickey, Willock, Field, you know, have all benefited from playing under him. And then obviously I did mention Varese there. It was a bit of worry, I guess, after the McLaren uh, tenure that perhaps we might waste his talent and, you know, whatever Warburton was going to do when he came in, um, getting the best out of a Varese so that we could in fact sell him on for a huge amount of money was probably going to be one of the things that he had to do. And he certainly did that. Um, you know, within the first game, it was very clear that Ezo was going to thrive under Warburton with that fantastic goal uh, away at Stoke. Um, you know, strangely, the football never really got much better than that, did it? It was a fantastic, fantastic move built from the back, quick football. And it, that was his football at its simple but sort of brutal best. Um, so, yeah, delight, you know, really good to see those players brought on, as mentioned, the uh, attacking football he's played. In particular, one that does come up is the, uh, I guess, so-called war on Wales, which will hit home for Ben now. Uh, but, you know, hitting, was it 6-1 against Cardiff and then 5? Five? 5 against Swansea. And I'm Swansea. never allowed to yeah. mention it because I live in Cardiff and, and work in Cardiff. <laughs> I can never tweet about it. <laughs> it's just what I've learned. But that was that was amazing. I always think of the 4-2 against Stoke as well. Um, when I'm pretty sure that was on a QPR plus pass, so I was watching it from from uh, uni. This is the home game, and I think my HDMI cable stopped working. And when I managed to get it working again, Bright or Sorry Samuel had just scored what I think was the goal that put us in front. Just so many games like that that I've, you know really sort of good fun to look back on. The um, again, not to go in too deeply on on uh, other teams that you guys have fondness for but the home match against I think it was Luton we're 3-0 up very quickly uh, not sure if, was that Nathan Jones manager at the time no no it was um, it was great it was Graham Jones the uh, I think he's England assistant um, no it wasn't Nathan Jones he was a, he was unemployed at that point 
Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the second half of last season, I guess Everton in the cup this year as well. That was a fantastic day. Went to that with my uh, Everton supporting cousin and his dad, my uncle. And uh, he's kind of been won round to maybe supporting QPR a bit more this season. Unfortunately for him, he has gone to an away game. Uh, he managed to pick probably the worst one and went to Peterborough in the cup. Cool. So um, <clears throat> welcome to the... Uh, QPR fraternity because that's what that's what you've got to expect. Get days like Peterborough, not the, the Everton one. Um, but you know, overall, he did a good job for us, didn't he? He achieved his remit, as we can, as the listeners can probably tell. We enjoyed our time uh, with Mark Walton as our manager, and it's just a bit sad to see him go, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so it's a cliche, but all you can really ask for as a football fan is winning more often than not, or winning as often as you can, and having those good days out and hoping for promotion is one thing, but I, I sort of challenge you to find a, a managerial tenure that didn't end in promotion that people will take so many happy memories away from as this one. Yeah, I think it's hard to explain to a few people because I got um, that Sheffield United game. People were telling me that I should go and see Foles instead. Uh, I decided not to do that basically because Warburton was going to get his sort of final send off and trying to explain that to my friends was a little mm. bit difficult. They're saying, so are you going up this season? No, we're not actually going up. But he's getting sacked. Yeah, he's getting sacked. And, you know, I just want to, you know, he's done good for us. I want to say goodbye. But he, he's not actually won anything with you. No, not really, but you don't quite understand. We had Steve McLaren before this. Like, anything's better. Uh, but, yeah, I just think we uh, appreciate what he's done. And hopefully the club do make the right appointment. We're not, obviously, against the club. We're just disappointed that Warburton has lost his job in these circumstances. Yeah, um, did you have anything anything else to add on Mark Warburton's time at the club? Um, maybe probably last last point. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know. If it's just me, but I find it quite rare how a manager leaves at the end of his. I know it wasn't a sacking per se; it was end of contract. But the majority of the the fan base, you'd, you'd assume, um, there were people that wanted him gone quite early. Um, but the, I'd say the majority um, all appreciated the job. Um, and gave him a lot of respect, which is probably quite rare in in the football industry. So, um, yeah, that was that was a nice thing for him. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you very much, Mark Warburton. We really enjoyed it. And let's have a look at your last game in charge, which was Swansea away. A nice little 1-0 win to round off the season. And the team headlines. There was no Charlie Austin because he's he went off sulking somewhere because he didn't get a new contract. Don Ball... Starts a game for the first time since October and his first minutes since Blackpool at home. But he was playing at centre-back, if I'm not mistaken. Barbe also comes in in what could possibly be his final game. George Thomas comes in to make Dan happy and Lyndon Dykes also plays as well. So in 30 seconds or shorter, Dan, can you quickly sum up what happened in this game? Um. There wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't loads. I mean, I thought I found it quite interesting from a tactical point of view. Um, but yeah, there wasn't too many chances created. It was, it was a fairly cagey um, kind of possession-based game as you'd expect from both sides. Um, and we, we managed to get the final, final goal in the last ten minutes to open the deadlock. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's Gray signing off with a goal. It's a lovely move, though, isn't it, uh, Ben? What? Your thoughts on uh, this again? Like this is kind of like Mark Warburton's football at its best, isn't it? In its last outing. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought that our best games under Warburton were were when we would play against sides that also tried to play sort of nice attacking football. Um, Just, I mean, a lot of examples come to mind, but the Middlesbrough two all kind of felt like that. Or it's just, I I had a mate who was a neutral who went to that, and I just texted him going, "You're not going to get a better Championship game for your money from that." And you know, I there were bits in this game that were a little bit more sort of turgid and slow passing and whatever. But yeah, it was it was a great move that ended up winning it. And I've got, a, as I said, a mate who covered it, who's a Swansea fan, won't mind me saying that a lot of the time as, as QPR fans, we might talk about, oh, we try and play all this nice football, but then we get undone by one ball over the top. That is what happened to them. And it is what we did to them. And it, it is quite nice seeing us be on the other end of that. So it was a very nice goal. Yeah, I guess with um, teams that like to play out from the back, they kind of... No, do they kind of create a bit more space, Dan, for us to exploit when we do win the ball? You know, players, I don't know, is that a fair comment? Whereas, you know, when you got like your, say, Prestons and how Millwall used to be, certainly, they just, you know, put 
a f- quite a few players behind the ball and just sort of let you be frustrated. Is that more of a case with when you come to these sides that like to play out from the back? Yeah, yeah, you do get that. I think in terms of this goal, though, I think um, I think Chair deserves a lot of credit. Um, I, for me, that his movement was um, was pretty close to superb. I mean, he draw, he draws draws downs inside because obviously it's a man to man system, so that everyone's one v one all over the pitch, and he just drags um, downs who has to shift to that right centre back role due to injury, um, and then changes speed of direction and um, beats him down the channel. I think that ball from I think the move doesn't happen though if equally if um McCallum doesn't play that channel ball. Um but no, I enjoyed that goal and it was what three passes to open the open their back line up, um, which is pretty impressive from us. Yeah, uh very good and interesting goal from us. Um just having a look at Twitter when we were uh playing, and I know that Twitter isn't the be all and end all when it comes to correct opinions, but was Russell Martin ball really boring, Dan? Because, you know, some people, including your mate Clive, uh, did mention that that might be worse than watching Tony Pulis's football. Um, I'm, I'm slightly different. I, I quite um, like Russell Martin as a coach. Um, I mean, obviously, there's their, their, their possession game's quite slow um, at times. To, but that, that's also, you could argue, because they want to, um, bait the opposition into pressing them and opening them up quite easily. So I don't know. It wasn't. I didn't find it bore too boring. I thought we. Um, I thought the fact that we went man to man kind of impacted the way they had to play. Uh, I felt Fisher. Fisher had probably had the ball more than he, he he's used to under under um, that style. But I mean, their back three and keeper were quite isolated all game and had to, they we forced them along quite a few times. Is there anything else that you noticed uh, and that you mentioned in your piece about this game that I haven't been... I mean, I didn't watch the game, so I can't really yeah. comment too much on what happened. I don't know. There was... The, the main the main thing I noted was the um, the high press and the man-to-man marking, purely on the basis that, A, we've known uh, under Warburton for, what, two, three years, that unless it's the odd game um, specifically, we're not a pressing side Um we're quite happy to sit in um, and defend the spaces rather than the man, uh, and that kind of that kind of got me to write the piece because I thought it, 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 he's been um, moaned about for pretty much the whole season for having this no plan B kind of um, thing. He, he adapts and changes to a, a man orientated system, which which caused them a lot of issues, um, and we created a lot of high turnovers from the press. So. That was the that was the main thing, and I suppose the the only other one little thing else is um, the the positioning of Joel Perot, who's quite a prolific scorer for Swansea. Um, but they played him ridiculously uh, deep, and he was quite involved in in some of their build ups because the likes of Barbe and Sanderson weren't sure whether to to engage right inside their own half when they were the man to man. But no, that's that's pretty much the the basis of the game, really. Um. Ben, are you kind of happy that it's all wrapped up now, and we don't? You don't necessarily have to think about QPR now for the summer. You will have to at certain points because I assume a manager will be appointed, and you know there's endless transfer rumours. But for the time being, at least, you can just sort of put QPR to one side and forget this last part of the season. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to next season, but I think it, it helps to have a what is it a month or two to sort of breathe before that. Um, it did feel weird waking up today and going, oh, not today, it's not Saturday. That just shows how out of whack I am. But it will be weird waking up tomorrow um, for there not to be a game. Uh, but uh, yeah, a bit of a break. Couldn't hurt, I suppose. No, I mean, I think certainly after the second half of the season and it's all gone a bit sour, I'm kind of uh, looking forward to not having to worry about QPR playing on a Saturday. Just kind of, you know, enjoy some nicer weather and some different sport for once. Dan, are you happy that it's coming to an end or it's come to an end? Yeah, yeah, I'd probably say so. I mean, it kind of, I think, yeah, it got a bit tiring towards the end of the season. Obviously, when we knew kind of there was a glimmer of hope, but it was kind of inevitable that we'd um, we kind of mucked it up. Um, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be an interesting summer. Like Ben said, um, we've got an early earlier start to the season, quite a chaotic summer of bringing players in, um, possibly selling players and then getting the new manager. So, yeah, it's probably, it's probably um, I'm pretty glad that it ended 
No. Of course, you know, it's starting early so we can fit the World Cup in, which is going to be round pretty quickly, which is bizarre. Um, but, you know, there is still important football to be played. 4th of June, I think it is, Scotland versus Ukraine in the playoff semi-final. So Linden Dykes will be involved if you need your Linden Dykes uh, fix before the new season rolls around. Uh the Again. Lyndon Dykes um, World Cup sort of narrative could be next season's Ilias Chair Afcon narrative. Don't 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 start Alex on that, please. I'm sure our <laughs> I'm sure our listeners have heard a Scotland mention every single podcast. For those listening, Alex is rubbing his hands with delight. I would I would say as a friend. <laughs> no, he's a bit of a Marmite character, isn't he, Lyndon? But uh, he's fantastic for Scotland, and they keep it a little bit more simple, and they actually give him a chance to score goals and he seems to score goals. So, uh, you know, just a, just a thought for whoever's coming in. That as... dig at Warburton. Sorry? That dig at Warburton. No, it's a, di- it's a dig at the players, mate. They've been crazy chances. an anti-Warburton podcast now at the last, <laughs> last minute. Why not? You know, you've got to go to the crowd, haven't you? <laughs> um, that is, I guess, that's it for Swansea because as mentioned, I didn't watch the game and even though Ben's in Wales, he didn't watch the game either. It was just Dan. So, uh... <laughs> That that's it for our Swansea review. We've kind of got a little bit, like we said, just sort of run out of things to talk about after the 37 podcasts. There's only so much you can analyse when it comes to QPR, apparently. Um, but I guess it, it's, I'm glad that we've done this podcast in a season that's been a little bit more interesting because if we did this when, it, I don't know, when... I don't know, when McLaren was in charge, it would be very boring. Be like, oh, it's the same team for the, what, 11th week in a row? Are they going to change that midfield? No, they're not. Okay, never mind. Um, but we do need to see who of these two knows more about uh, this season. So we have six rounds in a quiz uh, with, I believe it's 20 points up for grabs. Uh, there's no real theme to each round. I've just put rounds in for, I don't know why, there isn't. It doesn't really. It doesn't really mean anything. And the point scoring is random at best. Uh, so you know, sounds. I'm, I can see you're both excited about this. It sounds great. But we'll start for it. I'm absolutely thrilled. Well, you would be. You've got a chance of winning something after you lost in the FPL uh, Cup to me. I knew you were getting that. I knew. You I knew get it in somewhere. That. Yeah. Yeah, you fought hard, but you, you just no match, mate. Um, we don't talk about what's happened in the league. Um, anyway, round one, you've got three questions and four points up for grabs here. And it will be um, first person to react. So you can raise your hand in the podcast, in these uh, Zoom calls, which I'm going to do now. Is that how we're doing it? We'll do it like that. Okay, I assume you both... I'll give oh, you a second so just to... I, I can, I can do it. Out. Other hand, yeah, cool, yeah, okay, brilliant. Just gonna learn my hand. There we go. All right, so, um, round one, question one. Uh, we all love the new game that Micah brought to the podcast, Samfield Bingo. Uh, but how many yellow cards has Samfield accumulated across the season? 14. That's one point for Dan straight away. Are you joking? How do you know that? <laughs> We've been doing it on the podcast all season. That's, that's my just rewards for not coming on the podcast enough then. That's a great, great start for Dan. Uh, question two. QPR have had three red cards this season, with the latest being Dion Sanderson at home to Blackpool. Can you tell me the two other QPR players to get sent off this season and who they were playing against at the time? Now, to get the point, it's a point each. I went first. Just, I, I did go, go first. first. You did go first. That's fine. So, Ben, do you want to go first? I'm thinking it's Odebarjo against Middlesbrough and Dazelle against Bournemouth. That's correct. Two points. Yes. Two points to Ben. It took me a second to remember the Bournemouth one, but it was right in front of me. So I, was like, oh, I only yeah. had the Dazelle one, to be fair. Fair enough. Um, right, last question of the round. Who was the first signing of the summer? Andrew, you've got to answer I mean, it. You've got to answer it. Lock that. Do you want to go? Who was the first signing of the Is it Ringo? 
sorry? Was it device? Um, this is a guess. It wasn't device. The second half of that question was, who was the first son of the summer that had never played for QPR before? So your oh, question is wrong. So that's your guess. Over to Ben. Son of the summer who had never played for QPR before surely has to be Dizel, doesn't it? That's correct, yes. It's a 3-1... Well, that's... Yeah, 3-1 lead going in after the first round. That's a strong start for you there, Ben. I mean... As you can hear. Okay, round two. Uh, I'm going to read you a quote from one of our new signings, first interview with the club. You just need to tell me which player said it. Uh, so again, raise your hand in the call when you've figured it out. So the first quote, I am definitely passionate. I want to defend and I'm a winner. Who went first there? I can't see because I'm on my phone. I don't want to be that guy. I think I did go first. I think, yeah, I was going to say Ben. Okay, I'm saying Jimmy Dunn. That's correct. Yeah, Of course it's Jimmy Dunn. Passionate. He mentions passion. In yeah. his... Of course it's Jimmy Dunn. Oh, Dan, mate, you're getting thrashed here. Um... I'm on my phone here. <laughs> get ready for the it second. Takes, it takes longer to get on the, uh, on the, on the, the raise hand button. Get it, re- get it ready. When, when QPR requested the loan, it was straight away a no-brainer. This is a massive club. Silence as they're both pondering. And Dan's raised his hands. Over to you. I don't know, but I'm going to guess it's McCallum. That's correct. Yeah, well done. Yeah, as you said that, I remembered that the massive club quote did the rounds on Twitter when he signed. (laughs) Of course it did. He probably just got told to say it. Bigger than Norwich. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Question number three. I wanted to go somewhere where I can try to get back to my best. Oh, Dan, very quick on that one. Is it, is it Moses Olabajo? Incorrect. Ben? Oh, um, uh, David Marshall? That's also incorrect. So no uh, points for that one. It was Andre Gray. Uh, yeah. No point. Right. Okay. Question number four. It's great to be back. This is a good fit. That's Ben with his hand raised. Stefan. That is Stefan. Uh, Excellent knowledge there. Uh, So Ben leads in this round two points to one. Uh, This is a bit of a trick question. I've kind of reversed the format on this one. Uh, Who is Mark Warburton talking about here? Okay, every time he plays, he's Ron Seal because he does exactly what it says on the tin. He heads it, he kicks it, and he can play. Dan with his hand raised. Is that, is that, is that device? It is device. Such a quote as well. It is a brilliant quote, isn't it? I like the mention of Ron Seal. That is classic. Really getting the young crowd on side. <laughs> it's classic sort of football talk, isn't it? Uh, so the... It's two all in that round. Okay. Round three. Final one before the break. Uh, So I assume you're both familiar with the format of penalty shootouts. Mm -hmm. Um, Now this may or may not be lifted from another popular podcaster's quiz, but we won't mention their names. Uh, So... You're going to take a turnabout, right, to say who Lyndon Dykes has scored against this season. Wait, we're taking so, it in turns? Yeah, so Lyndon we're Dykes doing has a scored. Penalty shootout. We're not it's talking about shootout. Right, okay. No, you're just saying who he scored against. So Lyndon Dykes has scored nine goals, goals in all competitions. You just need to name the teams. So um, what, what, what if he's... Um, I, don't, I don't know if I should ask this because he might give it away. What, what, what have he scored more than one in one game? That's right, mate. Yeah. But, yeah, but is that the answer? Like, can we? I know what team that is yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we both yeah, answer that thing. No, you've got to name the teams he's played against, that he's scored against. So, once so the teams we mentioned, that's it. 
Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I had forgotten right. about those. Though, so thank you, Dan. But I've remembered now. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> who wants? Uh, he, he's going to call. I've got um, a coin to flip here. So uh, who wants to call to decide who goes first? Uh, head. Yeah, I was going to do a tails anyway. Okay. And it's flipping and it's tails. So Dan to go first on this one. Don't worry. We have got another penalty shootout later on in the quiz. So Ben, oh, you'll God. get your chance to go first. It's all fair and equal here. <laughs> uh, so Dan. Uh, Redding. Correct. Uh, Coventry. Correct. Rotherham. Correct, yeah. Uh, Middlesbrough. Correct, yes. Oh, God. I'm the spy already. Um, Preston. Correct. That was that was my last one that I thought of. So, a, a random guess. Um, oh, God. I'm, uh, Sheffield United didn't happen, I don't think. That's incorrect. Uh, Dan, to take the points here. How many? Wait, how many more are there left? Three. Three. Um, oh god! I feel like Dan should just get the points. Not not to be like a no. It's a penalty. It's a penalty shootout. You've got to score the winning penalty. Hey, okay, yeah. <clears throat> Fulham. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And Fulham. Dan uh, takes two the more. point. The, t- the other two were Hull and Nottingham Forest. Oh god! Yeah. Uh, of course, if in the event of a tie, you could have dipped into his goals for Scotland, which would have really been oh, fun. I, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Uh, Islands. Um, sorry, Israel. Very good guess. Of course, it was Israel. Like, the amount of times we played against them. Uh, yeah. Who else did you say there? Faroe Islands. Yes. Don't have any going, oh my god, we're actually going into them. <laughs> Could you get any, Dan? Or we have you not been paying no, attention? I don't. I don't. I don't watch Scotland. <laughs> you're lost, mate. Uh, the other two, if you're interested, were Austria and Moldova. I okay. don't know whether you would have got them, but we are. Whilst the score is right, so Dan got a point in that one there, uh, and nil. So I realise I've been putting the scores in the wrong column. So that one is Dan. That one is Ben. This is a complete shambles as to be expected. So in the first round, it was what? Uh, this is the magic podcasting here. Two all. Okay, so uh, Ben is quite comfortably in the lead here. Um, What's the score? So Ben is on six. You're on three. Okay. So that's a half-time score. Um, yes, so uh, we're going to take a break from the quiz here. And now what we will be doing is going into a, a little bit of uh, a season review, I'm going to call it. So, uh, yes, I think it's a good time to pause and to reflect on the season that's just gone. Obviously, at this point, we kind of would have hoped for playoff semi-finals at least to be previewing which is uh, a little bit disappointing I believe there is a semi-final tonight isn't there is it wouldn't know <laughs> don't care yeah um, it's Lou and Huddersfield <laughs> oh well you'll be uh, tuning in for that one won't you Dan um, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh, but yeah that isn't happening sadly and we go again next season with a new manager but just quickly we thought we'd have a look at the season overall um, was last the season that just gone, was that an improvement on what we've seen before? Ooh. Um, not not massively, I don't think. I think the I think the signings of the four players that were on loan, you know, coming back this season, no one would have said no to it. So it's it's all the benefit of hindsight. But I don't think that particularly sort of gave us the room to develop. I don't know, really. I, I'm, I'm talking out my backside a little bit. I, I don't think it was a huge improvement. I don't think we went massively backwards because I think all the issues in terms of players that didn't massively perform or whatever are not largely ones that are going to keep bothering us going forward under a new manager. So it's just kind of kind of similar, I think. 
Dan, any thoughts on that? Um, I think I think there was some some improvement. I think particularly in terms of league position, being in the top six from I think near enough or all season until when we slowly dropped out. Um, I, d- I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one. I suppose you can say there's improvement improvement in different kind of areas there's definitely been improvement in player development uh Willock's uh, improvement from last season to this season has been quite big um trying to think of other players now that have that have kind of kicked on well you say that Field's got some stability really he was good last season but he's, he's been good for an extended period without without another injury bothering him fingers crossed yeah yeah and you could also I suppose you can argue with um probably to an extent Dieng and um, Jimmy Dunn, I think, has improved since he's come to the door. So there's been there's been improvement in player development, but then obviously there comes the argument about the overperformance and underperformance with the um, kind of like the underlyings, and that's kind of we've been really overachieving uh, for the most part until obviously the position kind of leveled out. So yeah, there's there's different areas where you could say it's been an improvement for me. Okay, um, you guys personally. What was your highlight for this season? Be it a particular game, uh, goal or moment? I don't know. What was your personal highlight? Then you can go first. Cover away. Easy. Coventry away. Just, it's just, yeah, brilliant day out. Um, again, a personal note, met, uh, met the great Sam Taylor for the first time in person, which was very nice. But just a brilliant, noisy away end. We were really pushing the automatic spots by that point. So I was literally feeling faint from how out of breath I was from all the E-I-E-I-O-ing that we were doing it was it was just a really really great day out and, and and one that I'll remember yeah I remember getting into the I'd gone with mates and they were absolutely um not interested until we actually got into the ground of going to watch the game um yeah. but we drew we drove up there and we were going on to Derby later on that evening but it was such a good atmosphere and we literally just got in for the kickoff um obviously it's absolute chaos of 4,000 odd QPR fans uh in various seats that they possibly shouldn't have been in but whatever that's just football isn't it so we managed to find ourselves a couple of seats down the front otherwise it was standing in the uh on the stairs for most of the game but it was fantastic absolutely brilliant game and then the sort of last gasp well I thought it would be last gasp but it actually went on to play like another 16 minutes or something like that event yeah of injury time well, because, didn't we well because there was an incident wasn't there with the, with yeah. the shoot, I think it was okay in the end but it was a weird one where everyone I know who sort of keeps an eye on results of their mates' teams and whatever was texting me, going, oh my God, late winner, Albert Adoma, you must be loving that. But I think at that point, we already knew that we had about 20 minutes left to play and it was yeah. like, it's not a late winner at all. <clears throat> but, you know, then all the sort of hanging on and, and late chances at both ends and then still winning it, it just was just felt like the sort of top of the world kind of thing. Yeah, it was. that was a fantastic day out. I mean, the only thing, other game that could possibly come close to it, again, another away match, Derby away, Brilliant seeing the like second half comeback, um, and the goals that we scored were ridiculous. I still find it funny that Austin basically puts in a cross but celebrates like he scored the goal, um, <laughs> as Willock has just scored an unbelievable like first time di- off like volley that is just so difficult to execute. Yeah, and he puts it right where the owl sleeps. Um, uh, Right where the owl sleeps. That's another podcast. I can't remember which one. That's a football cliches one, I think, isn't it? Or yeah, there's a a podcast host out there that wants to uh, continue for next season. Please, please get in touch. (laughs) I can't. I can't be sacked off my own podcast. This is ridiculous. Being sacked, your contract just isn't being renewed at the end of this season. Surely only Sam can decide whether that's happening. That's the best point. That's a fair point. Uh, yeah, so that was a ridiculous uh, game uh, and a really nice end to it. Dan, any personal highlights from from the season for you? Um, I, I don't know. I can't really think of a personal. I suppose. I suppose the, a couple of the away days I went on were, were quite um, quite good. Obviously, Holloway was the first away game where fans were back in, um, and the Reading comeback. Um, ben was there. Um, I think we were three one down at that point, and then it was uh, we scored two late, two late goals to to kind of get that get a point. Um, I suppose the only other one would probably be the the Millwall game. I know it didn't really mean anything, but it was the first game after 
that, that everyone could, you know, come back. There'd be potential full stadiums. Um, and that probably, yeah, that was probably a good moment. Yeah. The noise his goal went in in that game was was really, really good fun, especially after sort of conceding that early and going, oh, it's just it's just going to be like this again. We're just back to the normal now. And then, yeah, that was that was really great. I mean, the only, from the home games, I'm thinking 4-0 against Reading. I mean, that you would probably struggle to find a easier win, but a more enjoyable win. We just absolutely played them off the park. I found that, that I, thought, I find that one a bit overrated, though, for me. I don't know the way it was, but it just it didn't. It felt too easy. It just felt it just felt like a bit of a fair a, enough. A, a, a breeze. Like a nice afternoon in the sun after sort of after half time, basically. It's just like yeah. the team yeah. clearly Warburton had said, "Don't don't try too hard because you've got another game coming up." And it was just everyone yeah. sat around having a nice nice chat. I mean, um, I wasn't there for the for there for one, but what about the Black Blackpool one where we kind of thought we might have turned a corner? Apparently, the atmosphere was quite good then. What Blackpool when home. Thomas got the assist? Yeah, that that was one, good yeah. in the second half from a sense of like we were really up against it because Sanderson got himself sent off, and we, I think the crowd really got behind what they were trying to do, and the fact that they kind of they were knackered already. There was no chance of them sort of like dominating the rest of the game, it was going to be a real struggle and you end up winning in that situation. That was brilliant. But the best atmosphere at home was Preston, I'd say. That was incredible. We were getting shit housed out of the game and we come back and win it 3-2, I think. Um, it's, it, that was a really amazing day. And of course, we saw the greatest assist of all time with, with Dykes like <laughs> falling over in the ground, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a, Really enjoyable one. Um, but enough about positive stuff. Uh, I've got a rather big question for you. Mm. Where did it go wrong? Oh, that's such a tough one. Why have you just given us that out of the blue? Oh, come on. You, knew, you must have known it was coming. Oh. I, I wish I knew where it went wrong. I could, I could earn a lot of money advising someone on something if I could figure that one out. I genuinely don't know. But I think there's the argument to say that some of the performances had dipped off a little bit before we started losing. And I think I don't, I don't, I don't like making assumptions about what went on behind the scenes. I'm not saying that Hendrick coming in upset the dressing room, but I think it probably did upset the dynamic on the field in terms of the ability of certain players to get games or whatever. I don't really know. It's just like it was sort of blink of an eye and it had happened kind of thing. Dan, any thoughts? Um, from, from my point of view, I think, I think injuries is quite a big one. Um, obviously losing Chris Willock kind of um, tied in with the fact that we were kind of overperforming. He, he was kind of getting us out those, about those games that were quite tight. Uh, with some, uh, we, I think we scored, we were one of the teams in the league that we scored one of the um, highest amount of 80-minute-plus 80, 80 goals. Um, so kind of his, his dynamic with, with the likes of chair kind of changed that for us. Um, I think Dieng was a bigger loss than some people made out. Um, obviously, his his get the game on Saturday. I thought on the ball it just showed that we kind of been as much as Marshall and Westwood have been good uh, shot stoppers for us. We've kind of missed that um, goalkeeper that can kind of play up from the back against pressure. Um, Actually, if I could just jump in there, it's really weird yeah. because Marshall is like incredibly urgent and really wants to get the ball moving quickly. And there's been a couple of times where he's like passed it out, and the centre backs haven't been actually ready for it. Um, and they kind of sort of flap around a bit and they haven't really, they didn't, never really conceded off of it, but it, it, it kind of something that sort of ran through the season. And then like when Westwood came in, he was so, so slow with getting the ball out. You just like, obviously there's a happy medium in Sonny Dieng, which they're used to. Um, but the other two kind of like were encouraged, obviously, to play out from the back. And I'm not sure whether Westwood was sort of like, I just can't do this. So it took a, like, a hell of a lot of time over it. And Marshall, like obviously quite keen to do it, but maybe not necessarily the best at doing it and just went about it a bit too quickly. But yeah, in, I, I do agree with the um, point about the end. Um, I suppose the only other thing, I think there was a point probably around January even when we were winning, I think there was a bit of predictability with our with the way we played. I mean, you know, we at the start of the season, we had uh, Rob Dickey making these like marauding runs into midfield where he was given the time and space. We haven't really seen too much of that in the second half of the season for injury. So I think I think there is a matter of teams um, sniffing out our dangers, um, particularly in the second half of the season. Um, I suppose then the argument you make is Warburton should be able to adapt. But I think with the injuries, the quite key injuries as well, um, 
and the, the the size of our squad, I don't think we had that kind of, had that real, real option. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's more reasons, but injuries and kind of um, teams sniffing us out is probably what I'd pin it, pin it down to most. Yeah, I know, Dan, as well, you've made the point about um, teams making it so that we have to play out through Dunn, who, who and I really like him, is not our most confident ball-playing defender, um, you wouldn't say. And obviously the thing with Dickey making those runs, that goal against Millwall, like I've mentioned, that was part of an amazing period where he was doing that all the time and scoring all these goals. And he had done it once the season before against uh, Middlesbrough away. But he did it against Stoke that, as well, didn't he? Was it Stoke? No. But he, did no it, I think, he definitely did it twice towards the end of last season. I remember when. I think he may have scored two goals, but I, I only remember one of them being from that. I, I might be wrong on that, but I, I suppose just my overall point is I don't think teams in the early part of the season looked at us and went, Rob Dickey is one of their biggest threats on the ball. They may have known that he was a bit comfortable with it at his feet, but I think there's a certain sort of tax when you score so many goals like that, that eventually teams are going to go, do not let him out of his own half. And I, mm. I don't know how much that then affected it. Well, yeah, because he scored, he, he was a top goal scorer at the start of the season, wasn't he? Because he scored that, uh, you know, we talk about the middle, uh, not middle one, the Millwall one, but the yeah. better goal that he scored was against Oxford in the Cup. And that was at the point where people had started going, and it sort of happened at a moment where it, I don't think it did, but almost felt like people had willed him to shoot at that, at that moment, yeah. the sort of timing of it. Um, yeah, was, that was like, I remember the sort of celebration of that was like, oh my God, what's just happened? How has this happened twice in as many weeks or, or you know, twice in a few weeks? Because it's everything about it is just exceptional. He brings the ball down, one twos it, and then smashes it into the back of the net. Like, if a striker did that, you'd be thinking, yeah, pretty good goal, mate. That's his centre back doing it from just beyond the halfway line, like when he first yeah. picks up the ball. Um, and a point and, to make about, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I was going to say a point about, you know, this being a sort of Warburton loving um, is that generally speaking, the cup runs this season were a lot of fun. Like there's been there's been cup performances that he's been criticised for. The Sheffield Wednesday won a couple of seasons ago, and and that kind of thing. But in terms of what as a championship club you can reasonably expect from a cup run, yes, we went out in circumstances that were slightly marred by refereeing decisions and not beating teams you should be beating and whatever. But some of those games are really good fun, and even the Oxford one where it's sort of oh it's a team in the league below us, we should expect to beat them, means we probably won't. And you turn up and you just get 90 minutes of pretty decent football with a good result. You know, I think you can take that for granted at championship yeah. level. I've and really uh, someone else mentioned on Twitter the other day, the uh, Leighton Orient away day, which I was at, and that was fantastic. And they kind of described it as uh, a cult QPR away day because it's kind of gone under the radar because it's so early on in the season. But it was brilliant, obviously decent weather, and then get, takes it to extra time. And um, How it got taken to extra time, though? That second half was dreadful. It was a dreadful was second half. Absolutely. We, we did not deserve to go through that game. But it got to penalties and, you know, you remember it for the penalties and Albert Doma celebrating in the crowd, which, of course, we asked him about in our interview with him. So do go back and listen to that earlier on in the season. Uh, the other thing to say about that away day is that they do pine mash in the ground, which is incredible and much better than anything QPR can offer. Uh, so up your game, QPR, please. Really, just do something much better with the food next season. Um, I was going to ask at this point who are we looking for in a manager, but the Ooh. it seems a bit I don't know. Is it really part of a season review? Do we want to briefly touch on this, Dan? I think you really want Liam Manning, do. don't you? Yeah, I, I want Liam Manning. Um, mainly because I've kind of looked um, looked into him a little bit since. I think there was a, was it a report the other day. Um, so yeah, the they're, kind of like, they're bracing themselves. Was even, it evening standard? Evening standard. Expecting an approach, I think, was the phrasing. Yeah, yeah, they're bracing an approach from from the club. Um, I mean, I don't. Um, I've looked a few times at the betting odds, but I don't. Really, I'm not paying attention to it in terms of anything meaningful. Um, I think Liam Manning kind of fits the the bill, kind of or the the possession based style, kind of similar to Warburton. Um, bit of a bit of a press on top, um, which is. From my point of view, a bit exciting after the some of the uh, moans about our press last season. Um, I don't well, know, I just, just think... Can I just interrupt there whilst we're talking yeah, about well. this? According to Skybet, Liam Manning is eleven to ten to get the job, and he is favourite. Gary Rowett four to one, and Sean Derry seven to one. <laughs> there's a few. Uh, there's a new name there, John Herdman. Who's that? I don't know. Let me look up who that is. John I think, Herdman. I think... Just talk. Just going back on the uh, Liam Manning thing quickly. I think the thing that oh, the head coach um, of the Canada national team is linked. Oh, 
<laughs> All right. Oh. Interesting one. That'll be because of Mark Bertram, of course. But no, but just quickly going back to the Manning thing, I think the thing to me that um that kind of that's drawn drawn by him is the I think he he says he said himself he's more of a player orientated coach than a system one. And what I mean by that is you'll get these coaches that are probably Warburton at times to to a degree where he's stuck on a, a certain formation, whether it be a four two three one. And he was kind of forced to change with the bad run kind of thing. Um, whereas Manning's a lot more adaptable and he won't play, I don't know, the likes of Ineos Chair in like this rigid 4-4-2, for example. He's a bit more flexible with his systems. I think he played a back four in Belgium and then he, he's now playing a back three with MK Dons. So um, that kind of tactical flexibility is something that I'm quite, I quite like in him. Is there anyone else from the list, Ben, that sort of jumps out at you at all? Um you know, because Manning seems to be hot favourite for it and it seems like we're going to be talking to MK Dons about it. But would you be tempted by anyone else? Gareth Ainsworth, uh, Gary Rowett, uh, Tim Sherwood? None of the names are massively jumping out at me and I'll admit it's because I don't watch as much League One as I should because there are a lot of names there that are, that are sort of around Probably because you can't watch League One in this country. Yes, it's unless I'm, I'm literally making the journeys out to watch it, yeah. But uh, no, I like I like the sound of Manning. I can't admit, I can't say that I've watched much of MK Dons recently. Um, above all, really, and again, I I don't know, you know, from the perspective of the fans that are supported clubs managed by these guys. I think above all, you need someone that's going to have a sort of temperament like Warburton's that is able to deal with the press, that is able to deal with, as in as in the media, the press, not the on field pressing, able to sort of deal with the press from the fans and and not lose the sort of faith of the fans because. I think I think Warburton's ability to generally speaking keep people wanting him to be manager with our board that can be a little reactive at times. I think that's what you need as much as anything on the field. But I can't admit I can't say that I'd I'd know who on that list fits the bill there. Yeah. Uh I think I'm in the same boat as you. And just from what I've heard, just from the fact that Liam Manning is a young ish manager who's taken his side into the playoffs in his, the division that he's in. I mean he's only been uh, in management for one season, isn't he? Is that right, Dan? Didn't even have a pre-season because Martin left like six days, two days before the season starts. Right. right. So, you know, That's it's kind impressive. of, it's it, a very impressive season for him and it's a big, big punt that we're going to take. Um, but these are the sort of ones where you look back on it in five years and hopefully you say, blimey, what an appointment that was, you know. Liam Manning's think... now taking QPR to this and Liam Manning's now managing here or whatever and he's like the next hot thing. But the the one thing that always comes around in this is that the, pl- the ones that are really hot favourites now aren't necessarily going to crop up in a few years' time if we do look for a new manager in another three years. Um, and, you know, I know people want Farker. I know people want uh, David Wagner, but neither of them have like managed to secure themselves a job in the Premier League because they're that if you you know what I mean like they're not well also then there's the wages question as well right yeah. like it, it realistically if you talk about you know I'm not sure if we should take a punt on a on a younger manager or a newer manager or whatever the alternative to that isn't Sean Dyche because because we are not the sort of club position wise wages wise that will attract Sean Dyche so you're either getting a young up and coming maybe will maybe won't succeed kind of manager or you're getting a fairly tired-looking sort of championship ever presence, or and and yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be happy to take that punt, take that gamble. I think. Yeah, I think you you have got to take the gamble, haven't you, to try and make something of it. Um, I think it's we've... a gamble, though. Oh, quickly, I think it's a gamble. Whoever we get, though, just on the basis that what's come out in the West London Sport reports about relationships, about having to use youth. I think I think regardless of who you take, if you say, for example, you're getting a big name like like Deitch or Farker, I know it won't happen, but they're not going to be, they're not going to like being told that you have to play Hammerlinen and Kakai as fullbacks. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be, I don't think, whoever manager you bring in is going to have the same issues as what Warburton's had to have. So I think it's a risk, whoever you bring in. I agree with you there. And, and, and I, I'm fairly critical of the board of, by the sounds of it, been doing with Warburton. But I also think, and it was a point that kind of came up in that article, for the amount of time that the team was doing well, they weren't as bothered about that sort of thing. And, and they did make accommodations for bringing in players that, that you know, for instance, like, you know, Otto did get brought in, even though the club wanted uh, wanted Kakai playing in that position and that sort of thing. 
if we got a manager in who really gets the current team sort of whirring and going, I think it is clear that he will enjoy a bit more support from the board than, than maybe Warburton got in those later days, uh, you know, at least. Yeah. Uh, very quickly then, which signing that we made this season was the best, loan or permanent? doesn't matter. So you got Sam, Andre Sam Gray. Field for me. Sam Field for me. Sam Field then for you. Ben? Yeah, Sam Field has the potential to, to become a real player for a few years. Jimmy Dunn for similar reasons. I think there's the longevity there, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I'd, uh, agree with both of them. And the official club awards, uh, player of the year was Willock, young player of the year, McCallum, goal of the year, Andre Gray versus Derby. And didn't Willock win the players player of the year as well? Yeah, it, yeah it was a clean sweep for him. Um, I think I definitely voted for those three in the ones that I was able to vote for. Was it the same with you two? Yes, I know. So, yeah, there was no real other option, was there? The Young Player of the Year, incredibly hilarious competition now after the news that Kakai and Hamelainen were being told to play, uh, presumably so that McCallum had some more options um, up against him in the Young Player of the Year award because the other options there were like, was it Stefan and Duke McKenna? Sink but I think the only other one that would have got it was probably Dizel, but I think I was impressed from. Yeah, because he got first team minutes. That's it. Like, it was yeah, amazing. Yeah. McCallum's actually was, been very good in games. Alpha. One was Odi Alpha. He, I don't think he's even in the squad. Made a very respectable fifteen minutes in the cup. I'm happy now. <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 Alpha. I think that we've talked about this in the past, but he's definitely one of these players that has always played for QPR in the League Cup, and I will not. <laughs> Like he's definitely played like every single minute of every game in the League Cup or the Alpha. <laughs> um, yeah, that is the end of that then. So I guess, you know, all in all, a quite enjoyable season. Really summed up by that goal of the year award, because if you go back and watch it, I tried to watch the compilation again, realise how many amazing goals we've scored this season. And every single one, it, and it starts with those dicky, Wonder strikes, and you think, yeah, goal of the season. That's definitely goal of the season. Then the next one comes on, and you think, God, blimey, that's goal of the season, and that's goal of the season. We had at least five or six in there that would have won goal of the season on other years, and I just don't think we should have lo- lose sight of that and how much fun it's actually been this season for the most part. Definitely. Okay, so time to return to the quiz. Uh, at half time, of course, it was. Three to Ben. Dan's suffering a little bit here, but can he make uh, a few points back here? Round four, you've got four points, four regular points on offer, two bonus points as well. I mentioned when you can win those bonus points. Uh, Though it is difficult, I have to say. Who is the most decorated QPR player in the current squad? Trophy-wise? Yes. uh, Raise your hand when you... uh, no, wait, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lower it. No, down. no, the hand was raised. I'll take an answer up. from you, Dan Lambert. Wait, sorry, say the question again. Who's the most <laughs> decorated QPR oh, player in the current squad? Oh, you raise your hand. I need an answer, please. No, I'll just say Willock. Uh, incorrect. Why would it be Willock? What do you mean by decorated, though? Trophy wise, like that's. Oh, what out in the career? Yeah. Oh, I think won any hit. Like, that was this season. Hang on. So are we are we counting players that are like are not going to be here next season, but that played for us? Yes, from the, played played for us this season. Who's the most decorated QPR player in the squad? So who's won the oh, most trophies um, and stuff throughout their career? I would say McCallum. Right, a couple of promotions in there. No, no. Well, going off transfer market, looking at yeah. trophies, it was Stephanie yeah, Hansen. Stephanie Hansen. Yeah, he played yeah. for Celtic. Won this Scottish. Uh, uh, of course, yeah. Scottish Prem four times, yeah. the Scottish League Cup once, the Norwegian League once as well. On about so, Celtic in there, yeah. That was that. Uh, okay, no points on one there. That's disappointing, I have to say. Uh, okay, the next question: Who at the moment, according to transfer market, is the most valuable QPR player? In the squad. Where's my hand gone? Yes, Ben. Willock. Incorrect. Oh. 
down the floor. So who's the most um, highly valued? Oh, it's, it's, it's either it's either Rob Dickey or Chair for me. Please think of who. I'm gonna go Dickey. Incorrect. Who was it? Jeff Hendrick. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, you'd have that. Yeah. Um, could you tell me how much he's valued according to transfer market? I'll accept closest. Uh, I'll see who's closest and I'll tell you if you're going to get a point. So we're both both guessing for this. Yeah. I'll go 15 mil. Dan? 3.5. 3. Oh, Jesus. The, the, uh, it's actually 6.3. That's way off. So you, you were way off, Dan. I, I don't really justify giving you the point there, Dan. You cut. You, you'll... Oh, it was a lot closer than I was. I'm, I'm closer. closer. It was the nearest. It was the nearest oh, right. thing. Don't don't oh, it gets okay. bad that I think it should give Dan the points. Well, yeah, so that's a point for Dan there. Uh, so that's one of your bonus points that was up for grabs. Question three: Throughout their career, which QPR player from the current squad went for the most? Money on an individual transfer. Is it Dan Andre Gray? It is Andre Gray. Uh, could you you get a bonus point for telling me which club he moved oh, from and to, and to Watford. and for the fee as well, please? Twenty million. Uh, Eighteen point three six. So we'll give you that. I think. Okay. Oof. Good round for Dan so far. I'm nervous. I'm shaking. Uh, question four. How many QPR players... Sorry, I read that wrong. Ugh. How many players have QPR signed this season? Loans and permanents, by the way, please. Ben. Uh, counting all the keepers, I'm going to say 13 or something. 13 is spot on. Yes. Jesus, well done. That was great. That was a complete guess. Well done. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, so that is what blimey, I'm running out of space here. Uh, three one from Dan that round. He's making up ground. So well, yeah, it's uh it's now seven one to Ben going into round five. Uh so seven one. Yeah. You got three points in that round, mate. Yeah, seven. Oh, Why sorry, seven, 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 six. Point difference yeah. of one. <laughs> right, right. Where's this podcast host coming from next year? Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good with words, not with numbers. Okay, question one of round three, a five. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> three points on offer. I, it's all just... Okay. QPR went second in the league after beating which team earlier on this season? Ben? I think I'm wrong on this, but Cov. You say Coventry? Yeah. That's incorrect, yeah. yeah. Um, um I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have a guess and say Birmingham. I don't think it is. No, it was Hull City. Was it? Yeah. Oh second, second game, game of the season. season. Yeah, oh right, that's probably right. Okay, uh, the highest home attendance of the season was 16,308. Against which side was this? Uh, ben raised his hand Fulham? first. Incorrect. Dan? Was it, wasn't Fulham sold out? I think it was. Look, I'm just going oh, off the figures that I looked up, mate. Like, <laughs> it's what it's, it's, it's 60, it was 16,000 what? 308. Um, Millwall? Bournemouth. It was Fulham, though. Like, pause the podcast as we look up the. Just saying, it was. Fulham. No, it was definitely sold out. It's like the first time we sold out. Like Keep your attendance years. figures right. Yeah, we don't report figures for every game, do we? Is that like a, not a weird thing that happens? Uh, no, that's average uh, attendance of every club. Research, right. research is in the mud here. Keep your. Attendance, right. Fulham game, I've got on my phone that says 17,648. Uh, moving on, we'll move on swiftly. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I want my point, hold Alex. On. Come on, this is... 
fine. You've got, yeah, yeah. You got Dan. Yeah, you can get. Yeah, you can have you. the point. Thank you. Yes. Research well and truly in the mud. Uh, okay. <laughs> Question three: QPR had to play four different goalkeepers this season, but which one had the best save percentage? Dan. Is it Marshall? It is David Marshall. Of course it's David Marshall. That's, you had to get that question there as well, didn't you? Well, you know, got to appreciate him. Came in and did a good job for us. Uh, so, 2-1 to Ben in that round after a mistake, a rare mistake from the host uh, on some things there. So, what is it? So, uh, 9-7. Going into the final round. So it's unfortunately, uh, it is won by Ben, but we're going to play the final round anyway. Um, there's only one point and offer here. Oh. I, I just thought you'd do better, Dan, to be honest. And there may be some slight flaws in my quiz making ability, but you know, that's for another time. Almost thought of suggesting double or nothing on this round, but actually, I'm not going to. I, actually, that's no a good point. idea. Let's go double oh, or nothing. Right. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, uh, right. So we will finish on another penalty shootout. This time it's the same question, but I want you to do Andre Gray instead. Oh, okay. So it was Danny went first last time. Ben, you can go first this time. Um, Derby. Yes. Is it, this is all his goals, isn't it? Yeah. All the goals this season. Uh, Luton. Yep. Uh, Cardiff. Yep. Coventry. Yep. Forest. Yep. Uh, oh, there was, there was two Cardiffs, wasn't there? How many more? How many more goals are left? Four. Oh God, four. There's a um, really obvious one. Oh, really? Oh, oh shit. How am I? How am I? How do I not know this? How obvious is your like stupidly obvious. Yeah, I just thought of one actually. Yeah. <clears throat> oh no idea. I've got to press you for an answer here, Dan. Preston, Preston. That's yes. Oh, uh, Swansea. What was that? Swansea. Yeah, Swansea. The game oh, we we no. literally talked about it yeah, on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> There's two more. Two more. There's two more. Not including the second card, if there's two more. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is, this is a difficult one, yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, I know they're basically all away, but I can't think where. Oh, God. I, one of these I've games got... was mentioned on this podcast as well. One of these games was mentioned on this podcast. Maybe got one. I've maybe got one. Uh, West Brom, West Brom. Yes, oh. that wasn't it. But Ben, okay, this is not certain for me. But Birmingham City, no, yes, <laughs> no, yes. Oh, so that would be that is sudden death on penalty rules. So Dan wins. Uh, I do, I do win overall though. I didn't go double or nothing. Just... <laughs> no, we went double or nothing. No, we didn't. We didn't. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, God, that was tense. Um, of course, if you got that one, Ben, we would have gone into his international stats. Um, no, I'm no good with those. Sorry, uh, so, I know he's uh, a couple, but I yeah, he, we would have had to stretch bef- longer than this season. But if you would have got Serbia, El Salvador, or Panama, I'd have been very impressed. Um, but I believe we did decide to go double or nothing there. So uh, I'd let the record show a comfortable nine eight win. I think. <laughs> Um, so what can I say? What can I say apart from the fact that well done, ben. unfortunately, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> unfortunately, Dan might have won something. Uh, but yeah, gotcha. we are um running out of time here. So that is it for this year's podcast. Um thank you very much if you've listened throughout the season or if you just listened to one episode, who cares? We truly appreciate everyone who does take time out of their busy days to hear us talk rubbish about our club. Um, thank you as well to Ben 
to Dan and of course to Sam, Lucas and Micah as well, who have also contributed this season. Uh, I really couldn't do the podcast without them because otherwise it'd be very boring and it would just be me talking about Lyndon Dykes and David Marshall for about 20 minutes or so. Uh, In terms of next season, we don't have a plan for when we'll return, but if there are some significant movements from the club soon, then we may have to reconvene for an emergency podcast. Until then, enjoy your summer and come on you ours.